the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at Nissan.ie. Time now for In Our Defence. That's right, Gavin Dowd is back to tell me all about a case, a legal case in Ireland, uh, the legacy of which uh, we still live with uh, today. Gavin, what are we looking at? We're looking at the case of Ryan and Attorney General. This is Gladys Ryan, who challenged fluoridation being uh, added to the water supply in Ireland. And as you mentioned, Kieran, it's an interesting case because she lost her case, ultimately, but it's left a massive, massive legacy in Irish constitutional law. All right, let's get to that legacy in just a moment. I see you've got your Bunrock Naheran in front of you, your little (laughs) blue book, like Mao's little red one. Um, (laughs) The background to the case, who was she and when, when did all of this happen? So this was 1963. Gladys Ryan was an environmental and ecological campaigner and she took a challenge to the law which allowed the government to add fluoride to the water supply. Now, if you weren't aware, fluoride is a compound which is found naturally in water, in red meat, in vegetables, and it reduces dental decay. Now, if you ever look at reeling in the ears, something that always stands out to me is Ireland's teeth in the the 70s and 80s and the 60s. The crooked teeth, the missing teeth, uh, the decaying teeth. And obviously the government realised we had a problem. They did a dental survey in 1961 on children in schools in Dublin, Wicklow and Kildare, And they found high incidences of dental decay. In fact, 900 children between the ages of 15 and 18 who were surveyed, only one of them did not have any dental decay. No way. One one out of the 900. Yes. Someone with a Hollywood smile like yours, Kieran, perhaps. (laughs) Uh, So the government decided they needed to do something about it. They passed a law which allowed them to add uh, a small portion of fluoride to the water supply. One part fluoride per million parts of water. And this was meant to tackle that. But Gladys Ryan wasn't too happy about that. And she challenged it and she said, it's a violation of my bodily integrity and a violation of my right to educate my children because it's my function to raise my children and decide what they drink and what they eat. But the state is intervening in that. Okay, explain to me more about this this challenge on the bodily integrity ground. What, what was she basing that on? Yeah, but this is the, the nub of the case that in my little blue book here, Bunrock Naharan, bodily integrity isn't mentioned no. once. So we have some rights specified in the Constitution. Bodily integrity isn't one of them. So Justice Kenny in the High Court, uh, ignoring the science bit and the fluoridation bit for a second, uh, looked at Article 40.3.2 of the Constitution, which says the state shall, in particular, vindicate and protect the li- rights to life, person, good name, and property rights. Now, the key thing is that line, in particular, and he said that means there are more rights protected by this article than just the ones listed in the article. And I I don't know, when was the last time you you picked up the Constitution? It's been a few years. It's been been a few few years. years. Okay. Well, I'd recommend... I think we were still claiming territorial integrity of the entire island. (laughs) Articles articles two and three were still in there. Go on. (laughs) Showing your age. Uh, Well, I would recommend News Talk listeners... If they have a copy of the Constitution at home or have a look at it online, because we've we've dragged the country kicking and screaming into the 21st century in the past couple of decades with constitutional referendums we've had. But there are some remnants of the past very visible. The very first words you'll see when you open up the Constitution are, in the name of the most holy trinity, from whom is all authority and to whom, as our final end, all actions of both men and states must be referred. And then it goes on to talk about our obligations to divine Lord Jesus Christ. This reads, reads Kieran, like a, a religious text mm. in some parts more than a legal text. So on that basis, just as Kenny in the High Court said, we clearly have a Christian and democratic state. This is the 1960s. Ireland is reaching its nadir of its relationship with the Catholic Church. Mm. 
And he turned to Patchum in Terrace, which was this blockbuster papal encyclical released that same year, which discussed a number of human rights and mentioned rights to bodily integrity, right to shelter, a right to social services. And from that, he said, because we're a Christian state, that means we have this right to bodily integrity in the constitution, even if it's not written in it. Okay, so so the, 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 at the High Court, it is recognised there's a whole suite of rights that exist that aren't necessarily listed, the famous unenumerated rights. And because of the Christian nature of the state, as set out in the preamble to the constitution, the same judge said, when we want to identify what these unenumerated rights are, we can look to a papal encyclical. We can take our direction from Rome because we are a Catholic country. From our ultimate judge, God, okay. some might say. In- Interesting. Uh, yes. So this said opened uh, a whole new chapter of Irish constitutional law. And what rights are in the constitution is the question then. These will get discovered on a case by case basis. And the controversy is that it gives judges a lot of power. We might, let's come back to that in a moment because Gladys Ryan, I mean, her, her case is still kind of trundling away. I, I don't mm. want to kind of lose sight of, of her and, and her particular challenge before we kind of talk about the, the ramifications of. of these new rights and what rights may or may not exist. So what happened after this High Court case? Well, in the High Court, they said it wasn't a violation of her bodily integrity. Adding fluoride to the water doesn't harm your okay. body, ultimately. So they reckon you have a right to a bodily integrity, but it has not been infringed. Exactly. Um, and in any event, she could buy a little device that she could attach to her tap that would remove the fluoride okay. ions if she was so worried about it. Then it went to the Supreme Court and they reconsidered some of the evidence from the High Court and they said the same thing. They said... Ultimately, this is not mass medication of the population as it was described because there's this fluoride already in water and naturally occurring in different substances. This is just increasing the amount of fluoride to a level that is not harmful. And right. it's the state actually looking out for people and taking care of people's health. Okay, so that was the kind of the, the fluoridation issue dealt with. Uh, come back then to the point you were making about, I suppose, the ramifications of this and this period of, of kind of judicial activism we suddenly found ourselves in. Sure. So we probably had about 20 or 30 years of new rights being discovered in the Constitution. This has been slowed down significantly in the last couple of years, but it really opened up a constitutional can of worms because we don't know exactly what the rights are limited to in the Constitution if judges, on a case-by-case basis, can decide that new rights exist. And it's been suggested even in in recent years that there might be a right to housing in the Constitution. And this is something, you know, in light of the housing crisis, a lot of social justice campaigners have been asking for a referendum on, on the right to housing. And there have been cases where courts have kind of flirted with the idea of a right to housing, but they've never... Uh, definitively said there is an unenumerated right to housing in the Constitution. But recently, uh, interestingly, Kieran, about two years ago in the Supreme Court, they delivered a judgment about the right to a healthy environment, which was another enumerated right not written in the Constitution. And while they weren't too enthusiastic about acknowledging that right, Justice Frank Clark, who was the, the Chief Justice recently retired, did suggest, and I think he kind of hinted to maybe there could be a constitutional right to housing. He suggested that a combination of Article 10, the property rights in the Constitution, the special protection we give to the dwelling, if you combine all those together, he said there could be a new right, but he didn't say what that right was. Has there been any pushback? I mean, has there been a school of thought that judges have been too active over the last few decades? That's, you know what I mean? That, that, that they're reading too much into the Constitution. Stuff that isn't there was never intended to be there. Certainly, certainly there has been. Um, right since the 90s, there's been a pushback and we've seen a kind of a, a quietening down in, in, in judges' 
um, in regards to unenumerated rights in the past couple of years. And in that same judgment I mentioned that Frank Clark was uh, delivering the judgment two years ago, he did say that judges can't just pick rights out of thin air. They can't uh, look into their own hearts and minds and decide that rights exist in the Constitution where they're not written down in the Constitution. It has to be linked somewhat to the text of the Constitution. Or papal encyclicals, <laughs> as we learned. Listen, a really interesting story. Um, poor Gladys Ryan, it didn't work out for her in the end and her, her campaign to get rid of fluoride from the water, but we still live with the legacy of her legal challenge and uh, we still live with, with fluoride in the water. And we still we still and we survive. And we and all have we all have Hollywood smiles <laughs> as a result of it. Listen, we have a legal question of the week as we do every week. Uh, does Irish law have a statute of limitations? Yes, in certain areas it does. Let me just explain. A statute of limitations is a limit on a period in which you can take a case to court, initiate a legal action after a wrong has has happened to you or an offence has been mm. um, has been done against you. Uh, so we have it in certain areas. The, the reason we have it is because there's an interest in getting legal cases decided promptly. And with the passage of time, evidence becomes more difficult. Witnesses die, documents get lost, our memories deteriorate. So it's it's much more practical and effective that um, cases are heard in a timely manner. So in, in contract law and in tort law, uh, you've got six years to take a case. Criminal law? Criminal law, no, we don't have a, a statute of Okay, so if I, if, I, if, I, if I break the penal code, as they might describe it in another country today, I, I can they can keep looking for me until the end of time. Uh, yeah, there, are, there is some discussion constitutionally over, you know, if it's one person's word against another and the alleged incident happened decades and decades ago, it might go beyond the point where it's fair to take the case. Uh, but no, we don't have a strict statute of limitations. All right, okay. But if you're suing somebody or, or, or challenging them over the terms and, and conditions in a contract, six years is the limit. Gavin, nice. listen, an absolute pleasure. I look forward to uh, next week's edition of In Our Defence. What are we looking at? Uh, we're looking at, uh, well, imagine this, Kieran. Um, you try to commit a fraud. Yeah, regularly happens. Take, <laughs> uh, to take one million pounds in the view of hundreds of people and a whole load of TV cameras. Okay. I'm, I'm intrigued. Don't tell me anymore. All will be revealed next week. Don't tell me anymore. Yep, yeah, we'll reveal it this time, the same time every week in our defence with Gavin Dowd. Gavin, we'll talk to you then. 